Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Sunday morning. And Lord, we have dedicated this time to your worship. And Lord, we ask that you would open the eyes of our heart that we can see and understand just a little bit more of how great and how good you are. Lord, we ask that we would not leave this place as we came, but would leave this morning with a greater vision of your glory and your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing. To Luke chapter 15, I'm going to read a longer passage in the Scripture today. A very familiar story for most of us. We traditionally call this the story of the prodigal son. And so, starting in Luke chapter 15 and verse 11, and he, talking about Jesus, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants." And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder brother was in the field, and he came and drew nigh to the house and heard the music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo! These many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. 
And he, the father, said unto him, the, the elder son, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Of the many parables that Jesus gave, this is certainly one of the most famous ones, the most referred to. In fact, when uh, we call this the story of the prodigal son in my Bible, in the uh, in the top of the page where it gives the chapter summaries, uh, most of our Bibles will say the prodigal son. And we looked. Up, I looked up that word in the Oxford English Dictionary, and it was amazing. I mean, the definition was exactly what we expected. It was someone who wastes, spends extravagantly, wastefully, one who takes what they have and just uh, disperses it ridiculously. But every definition of that word was tied to this parable. The word was invented by someone, I don't know, it's not found in our text, it's not a Bible word. But that word was invented to describe the younger son, and the only definition that is in the English language describes the younger son. Do you, do you get how important that is? You see, when we tell this story, the emphasis is usually on the younger son, is it not? And uh, how many sermons have I heard preached on the prodigal? In fact, they tell a famous story of a man that wandered the dark alleys of, of, of a great city, possibly New York, I don't know. And finally, he found in the depths of degradation a man that he felt would picture the prodigal. So he could paint a, a picture of the prodigal son. And... Uh, he kind of woke up a little bit out of his stupor and, and, and uh, told uh, his, his friends that were in there. In the, he said, I got a job. The man's going to pay me a lot of money to come and pose for a picture. And they go, that's crazy. What? I said, you better get cleaned up. And so they took him down to the mission and they got him a bath and they got him a suit and uh, a shave and had him and he showed up the day he was supposed to and knocked on the door and and the man took one look at him and said who are you and uh, he said well I'm the I, I'm the bum in the alley that you uh, wanted to come and he says I can't use you that way he said I wanted you just the way you were he said I'm going to have to go find someone else for my painting and and Really, it's an illustration of the worthlessness of self-reformation. But what I'd like for us to do today, and the title of my message, if you like those things, is The Sons of the Father. Our theme is becoming like children, following God as dear children. And Jesus did not give us this story to tell us only about the prodigal son. Each person in this story has an equal part and needs to be understood or the entire message is lost. And 
Is it not what we so often do with the Word of God as we take it as we try to see what Jesus is illustrating here and we put all of our emphasis in one place and we twist and change the entire meaning of the story? We're not going to take a lot of time right now with the younger son. It's pretty apparent here. I mean, is not New York City the city of the prodigal? Uh, is there any place on earth where you can spend more extravagantly and more wastefully in New York City? I, I had no idea, but I found out that in New York City you can spend $8,000 and just get one suit. And that's not $8,000 for one, one suit. You know what would happen to me if I got one of those? I wouldn't. I'd rather have the money in the missions. You'd buy a whole closet of suits for that. You'd fall down and rub a hole in it somewhere. I mean, it wouldn't take long. Getting out of the car the first time, catch it on the doorknob and rip the pocket out. I mean, you'd do something to it. How, how wasteful is something like that? How much money can you spend on an apartment? What was the new uh, record that was set overlooking? Uh, we had uh, Brother Frank from Cleveland here. He's going to head up our sidewalk replacement and... They wanted to see Central Park, so we were walking around. And I said, yeah, you see those apartments up there? I said, one of them recently sold for four and a half million dollars. Just one apartment. And uh, they're sitting there going, that's crazy. I said, Welcome to New York. I mean, it's the city of the prodigal, is it not? And, and the prodigal wanted what he thought was his. He wanted that inheritance. They came from the Father. And the Father gave him what he wanted. And it wasn't long before he took everything and he was going to experience life. You know, people think that life is only what you experience. In fact, if we took a poll here, if we could take an honest poll uh, of people in this auditorium this morning, we've met to worship God. This is what we call this, our worship service. And if we just took a poll here, if we could get it in writing, what each one of us would say is a good life, is enjoying the blessings of life. Almost every one of us, if we were honest, would have something down, enough money to pay all my bills and some leftovers. Uh, I'd like to live in a nice house. I'd, I'd like to have uh, a good vehicle. I'd like to... And we, the emphasis would be on things, even among people who serve the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of us would sit, sit down and write godliness as our first thing that we need to have a good life? And yet the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. And I'll, I'll tell you, no matter how spiritual you think you are, 
If you were writing about the good life, contentment wouldn't be on that list because you can't buy it at the store. The reason you can buy an $8,000 suit in New York City, if you look hard enough, is because people aren't content with a $199 special. Uh, i got to look better than the rest of the guys. And ladies, how much money could you spend on a dress if you wanted to? But see, a dress isn't enough. you got to have shoes. But if you get shoes, you got to have a handbag. And if you got to have a handbag, then then there comes a hat and the and the wrapper scarf and and uh, the inner coat and the outer coat and the layers and all. I mean, and then you you can't have it without accents. I mean, come on, a little jewelry here and there to make things look right, and nothing works without perfume to make it all smell right. I mean, come on, it just gets crazy, does it not? The younger son had bought into New York City thinking. And he was going to go out and he was going to experience life at its greatest. He believed the advertisements. And we know what happened. He lost everything. When he ran out of money, he ended up feeding the pigs. And it says he feigned would have filled himself with the husk that the pigs did eat. There's only one problem, is number one, eating the husk that pigs eat wouldn't fill you. Uh, Pigs are an amazing animal. You can take a pig and feed it garbage and get bacon. Now, how does that work? I mean, people have tried to explain to me the health and, and the wonder of goat's milk. But I'm sorry, goat's milk to me tastes just like I would expect it, like the goat's been eating an old tin can somewhere and, and uh, chewing on briars. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just, uh, I may die young, but I'll die happy. I'll, I'll drink the cow's milk, all right? Uh, the The truth of the matter is, What the world has to offer doesn't work. You're going to run out. And he would have eaten the pig's food, but he couldn't because he's a human being. And by the way, if there's one way to lose a finger, that's put it between a pig and his food. Uh, This was just not a wise thing, especially in a time when there wasn't much food. And... Finally, the Bible says he comes to himself and he says, I'm going to go home. Now, I've heard many people preach and did quite a bit myself on how the younger son said, I, I, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. I want to be a hired servant. But I want you to think about something. In, in our house, we have a, a little title that we bounce around on occasion when someone says something that is so utterly true that it doesn't need to be said. We have the Captain Obvious Award. You know, it's like there's a mess on the floor and someone says, there's a mess on the floor. Ta-da! Oh, we understand. How about stop 
pointing at the mess on the floor and clean it up. Amen? Uh, what else was the son going to do if he went home and was even let in the home? What, what would be his position in the home? Was he going to sit on the couch and eat bonbons all day and watch TV? No, they hadn't invented those things yet. He, he was going to be as one of the hired servants. He was never going to be anything else. He was going to have to work. This, this was obvious. This was something that didn't need to be said. And you see, when we try to make ourselves pleasing unto God, we're willing to grab at anything to try to get another step up, to get, well, at least I, excuse me, I don't care what at least you did, what else have you done? You took half of your father's riches, the portion that fell to you, actually it was a third, and he took off, and he spent everything, and lost everything, and lost everything, even his reputation, and Everything that could be lost, the, the younger son lost it. Well, let's talk about the older son for a minute. You know, he was the guy that did things right. He followed all the rules. He met every expectation. But could I challenge you to think about something about the elder son? You see, in following all of those rules, he understood that all of those possessions that the father had already given to him, they really wouldn't be his until his father was dead. That's, that's your rules, isn't it? Now, I, I don't want to accuse this elder son of anything that's not true, but... His attitude as we go through the story tells us that he didn't appreciate the way the father was controlling the possessions of the family, especially when the younger son showed up. He didn't think that his father should have given him even a robe, let alone the best robe, uh, killing the fatted calf, all of these things. That was against his... But he wasn't going to try to stop the father... Because in his heart, he still believed that everything belonged to his father. You see, here comes the really dark part of this story. He couldn't enjoy what he thought was his until his father was dead. Now, what does that tell you about this elder son? He is just as rotten as the younger son. In fact, he was worse because he covered it up with a mask of hard work and, and submission and labor. But down underneath, his whole life was about a funeral that was coming up and then he would get his. Now we got the father. And of course, as we understand this picture, Jesus was speaking to the Jewish people. In fact, this parable comes in a series of lost things. And so, 
Jesus was referring to the groups of Jewish people that, that were lost. He was talking first, the younger son was a group that is mentioned in our Bible, called in our Bible, publicans and sinners. These were people that sold out to Rome and collected taxes for Rome and, and, and they understood that they were under Rome and so they were going to make the best of it. And the sinners were Jewish people who cared nothing about the laws of God, nothing about the holiness of God. That song, I love that song that we sang, God is still holy. God has never changed. But there was a group of Jewish people that cared nothing about the law of God. They were businessmen. They were going to make it. They, they were going, and that was the prodigal, the elder son. Oh, that was the scribes and the Pharisees. Sadducees, you see, they thought that the Word of God belonged to them. Their job, the Pharisees felt that their job was to protect the Word of God from the sinners who would destroy the Word of God. Now, God the Father is pictured in this story as the Father. Now, the first thing I'd like us to remember is the elder son was going to follow all the rules, which meant he couldn't get anything till the father died. Do you get the irony of the story here? The father wasn't going anywhere. He couldn't die because he's God. He's always going to be there. The elder son is never going to get what he wants. Never, ever, 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 because God's not going to die. Hello? you got to follow. You see, Jesus is trying to help us understand the truth. You see, both the elder son and the younger son thought the inheritance was the things that the father possessed. How much does God the Father own? God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We sing that song, right? I won't make you endure any more my singing. But all things were created by him and for his pleasure. Revelation 4.11 Can I challenge you that the reason the younger son left was because he knew he could not seek what he wanted in the Father's house. The reason the elder son stayed is because he didn't feel that he could rightfully possess all the things he wanted until the Father died. And in this instance, both of these sons were slaves to the things that the Father had. But what was the real inheritance that the father wanted to give his sons? Well, maybe we could explore this a little bit by studying the part of the story of what happened to the younger son when he came home. What happened to him? He gets down on his knees while the father's hugging him and crying and kissing him. And says, Father, I, I have sinned in the sight of heaven and in thy sight. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. And 
you can't see this, but in the original languages, there's a little italics in there that says, shut up. Son, if you're coming home, it's going to be my way. All the way. We don't hear another word from the younger son, do we? He doesn't even address the younger son in the rest of the story. He's talking to the servants. He says, bring out the best robe. Put a ring on his hand. Put shoes on those feet. And by the way, you didn't put on a clean robe without taking a bath. I wonder if they took him outside and hosed him down first and then took him into the house and gave him a bath. Uh, I, that, that was the way my mom did it when we were really a mess. I mean, she just got out the garden hose and took care of it on the back porch where nobody could see. And then you went inside and took a bath and got really clean. I mean, uh, that's more than likely what happened to this fella. And then while he was getting cleaned up and dressed, they took the fatty calf, they killed it, they prepared it. And they were having a feast. And this younger son who had all of the shame of a life, the marks of emancipation, the scars of sin were still in his face, and the parts of his body that were visible. But he had to sit at the head of the table. And he had to put a smile on his face, and he had to take all of the things that was wrong about him, nothing he could do to cover his shame, And he had to enjoy the life the Father had prepared for him. Are you still with me this morning? You see, the true inheritance that the Father wanted to give his sons was life. Did the elder son have a life? He had no better life than the younger son did, did he? In all reality. All on the outside it looked better, but in the reality, the elder son said, I don't have anything. I can't even take a a baby goat to to make a party with my friends because it all belongs to my father. Nothing. I have nothing. I'm penniless. I mean, we have people in this city, they, they call them cash poor. They own properties and they have investments, but a few years ago, all those investments dried up and uh, uh, they're not getting interest anymore and the property values went down and they're rich. Millionaire, hundred times over, but they don't have money to go buy a decent meal with. And so you have to start selling assets in order to make them. Well, once you start that, you lose everything. And it's, it's a scary place. You can, that's where the elder son was. You see, the younger son found out even if you spent everything, it didn't buy you what you wanted. And the older son said, I can't touch anything because it's really not mine yet. And he couldn't enjoy any life either. It wasn't until the younger son came home and just let the father run the show. Guess what happened after the dinner was over? You know what? The younger son enjoyed his position as a son, but 
I wonder if he helped clear the dishes and wash the mess up and clean the house when it was all done. Willingly, gladly, out of a heart of love for a father that let him back in the house. You know what? He finally found the joy he was looking for in the world by being a servant in the father's house. Now, I want us to go one more place. You see, if the younger son was the publicans and sinners, which the Bible tells us it was, the elder son was the religious Jews, the father was God the Father, aren't we missing a person in this story? Because didn't the father have another son? A firstborn First begotten Son, only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you know why he's not mentioned in the story? Because he was never lost. You see, Jesus is illustrating things that are lost. Amen? You see, that other son had life. In fact, life was in him. And he came here to earth... To do only the will of His Father so that you and I would not like in the story where the Father just runs and hugs the Son and says, Welcome into my home and we've forgotten everything. God's holiness would not be violated because the eldest son went out and paid the debt that not only the youngest son had run up in the fields of sin, but that the eldest son had run up in the imaginations of his heart and his anger and his wishing for the father's death so that he could have what he finally wanted. See, that eldest son took care of everything so that when the father embraced the youngest son, He could do so without taking and allowing the sins and the wickedness of his life. He could go out and invite the eldest son in, knowing that the only thing the eldest son really wanted was for dad to pass on so he could get what he he thought was coming to him. The sad news was God's not passing anywhere, amen? He's going to be around for a little while, amen? And he could go out and not compromise his position and his holiness in inviting the elder son to come in. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 10. We're going to look at a verse here and, and, and uh, I hope and pray we can make this connection. The story of the prodigal is really... A, a, a com- commentary on these verses in John 10. Why don't we just start reading in verse 9 of John chapter 10. I am the door. Jesus is speaking here. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal. And to kill and to destroy, I am come that they might have life 
and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. The inheritance that the father wanted to give is the same inheritance in a much lesser fashion that every good father wants to give his children. What, you know, what I want for my children, I want for them to be able to make life decisions on their own and live a life that is pleasing to God. That is the greatest thing. I remember my dad, though he passed away when I was only about 13 years old, I remember my dad sitting down and said, Now listen, you can be anything. You live in America. But you need to be what God wants you to be. Well, I'm so glad he told me those words. I mean, I understood them. I went to a Christian school. I went to church. I heard them. But it was kind of different hearing it from your own father. I remember one time saying, Dad, I want to be a machinist just like you are. He said, No, you don't. He said, you can be anything. Don't be a machinist. And uh, so I I took his advice and and I tried to follow that direction. But what God the Father wants us to have is life. Amen. The only one in this story, the younger and the elder son, the younger son found life. But it wasn't the way he thought it would be, now was it? He thought he could enjoy and have a life in this world, but he found out that no matter how much you have, it's never enough. And even when you have it all, you really don't have nothing. The elder son was still waiting to get his. He was going to get it. And you know, that's just like the religious crowd today, is it not? How many of you used to go to a fake church before you came to a real one? The way you can tell the fake ones is they tell you that you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, and maybe you'll get life someday. Maybe. You know, you can't be a member of this church until you have the issue of eternity settled, until you have received the inheritance from the Father. That gift is eternal life. But if you are saved today, you've got to understand, you've already lost everything. And what you thought you had, you gave up so that you could come into the presence of the Father through the holiness of the eldest son. Amen? The story here tells us that the elder son, as far as we know, never did gain that inheritance he was looking for. Because he wouldn't surrender his life and his ideas to the father. The theme this morning is how God wants his obedient children To serve Him. If we're going to follow Him like dear children. If we're going to become like little children. This story is to teach us. 
how God wants us to live in his home. How many of you remember that day when you finally realized you lost everything? And there was no way you could earn what the Father was going to give. I would pray that we would have some that were trying to do everything just like the elder son and realize that no matter how hard I try, no matter how good I am, it's not good enough. And I'm going to come into the house. I'm going to do things the Father's way. You see, the eldest son paid the price so that both sons could live in the Father's house at the Father's direction And satisfy the holiness of God and fulfill His love all at the same time. That's the story of the prodigal. And how we're supposed to live is realize that everything is lost. I am here because of the goodness of the Father. Do you you realize that as a Christian, it is our job to make God look good? I would challenge you how many of us fail at that all the time. You see, instead of enjoying the greatness and the bounty of the Father... We try to scrape up pocket change and get take out because we feel ashamed. I, I wish I had a dollar for every person that used to attend our church and stopped attending for a while and said, well, I can't come back. You, you don't know what I've done, preacher. I, I'd be ashamed. Pe- people look at me funny. No, they won't. Not here. If they do, tell me about it because they're not right with God. Amen? You see, we've all lost it all. We all are on the benevolence of the Father. The shame of my failures can only be covered by the goodness and the glory of the Father's love. Then we can enjoy feasting. At the Father's blessing. And we won't mind cleaning up the dishes and scrubbing the floor afterwards. Because it's the least that we can do. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We ask that you would burn into our hearts and minds the story of the prodigal and the elder son and the eldest son. But today, the thing that would, we would take home with us is the love of the Father and the fact that you, the true inheritance, the only inheritance that is worth having is the inheritance of eternal life. And that we would recognize the work of the only begotten of the Father 
that through His suffering, we don't have to pay for our sins. That through the finished work of Jesus Christ, we can just walk through the door and be accepted by God the Father. Lord, I pray that You would put within our hearts that spirit of humility. And Lord, that we would accept the love and the joy and the feasting and the clothing and Lord, the, all the things that you wish to do for us. But you won't do it until we surrender fully to you. Lord, that we would understand that walking into the Father's house means we're going to do things the Father's way. Lord, I pray that we would have the spiritual sight to understand the decisions that need to be made in each of our lives here this morning. And Lord, that we would worship you as the younger son did. And be willing to take that place at the table. Not because of what we've done, but because of how good you are. And Lord, that we would become that willing servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the very same time, find that abundant life that you have promised. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.